0: All right, I'm just writing a note to to Frank. He was asking me about what's in the background, and just so you know, we know it's it's uh, cassette tapes and records, and um, I collect them. And uh, I'm i
1: your other addiction.
0: Um. It, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm obsessed. And um, so yeah, I, I I remember this meeting. It was like it. I, I used to. Might have gone to it a few times in person, but um, used to be a lot of people. And, and back when Zoom first started, it seemed like it was a lot of people. Anyway, my name is John. I'm an alcoholic. Sorry, um, I just started rambling. Um, trying to find. It's, there's no such thing as multitasking. By the way, you can really only <laughs> you can only do one thing at a time. Anyway, um, see, I'm totally lost, but I'm 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 thinking and talking, which is great, and and barely getting by. So here we go. Um, yeah. So my sobriety date is, um, I just passed two years. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really awesome. Um, it's been a, it's been a 30, 35 year journey to get here. Um, that means that my first meeting was about when I was about, uh, 20, And I was like 18 and I fucking ran screaming from it, um, because I just, uh, you know, I just wasn't ready. You know, I, 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 um, I wasn't really interested in drinking like a gentleman, as it says, I was really just interested in drinking period. I just didn't, I wasn't ready, but you know, everybody else thought I was. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, I, I I go to the way I'm, the way I'm sober today is that, um, I go to a meeting every day. Um, I have a sponsor. I have worked all 12 steps. I continue to work the steps, especially 10, 11, and 12. Um, not really good at meditating, um, but I do do it, and it, it feels, it usually is good for me, and it gets me kind of unself centered, I guess. I say the third step prayer. For anybody who's a newcomer, third step prayer is. In um, I think it's in how it works. Regardless, um, uh, it's in the big book. All this stuff's in the big book. Um, and and basically, I just follow. Um, and I I refer. I use the big book like a guide for life. You know, designed for living. Um, and it's it sounds like kind of culty or something like that, but it but it really isn't. And you know, anybody who's new to AA. <clears throat> Um, I, I suggest just reading like the doctor's opinion. I read that this morning in a group. Um, and, uh, you know, just sort, sort of an outsider's view, because if you're a newcomer, you're kind of an outsider, you know, you don't know anything about the program really, unless you worked all 12 steps. You know, if you're on relapse, which I did many times, I just would tell you part of my message also is like, just keep trying, you know, uh, the other choice is death or jail or you know, living in an institution as a, you know, like that. And, and I just, um, either way, you know, it didn't work for me. You know, Like I said, I have a sponsor. I, uh, uh, I listened, I began to listen, um, in this last go around and, um, it really, the magic of the sort of like the psychic change it talks about in the doctor's opinion didn't happen for me until I actually, you know, worked the steps, read the book, um, and, and, took suggestions and stayed in, in close contact every day with my higher power. Um, so, you know, I, uh, uh, I, 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 am just like a party guy, you know, I, 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 always liked drinking. I, I always felt more I just felt more at ease with life in general. You know, I didn't have any kind of like crazy shit happen to me. All the crazy shit that happened to me was because of me. You know, I didn't have any bad luck really. Um, you know, I could think of, I used to think of every excuse in the book. My dad was a, you know, Navy pilot and he used to, you know, run the house a certain way. Um, lots of rage and like sort of, um, you know, get in line, do push ups, that kind of stuff. But I, 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 none of that is the reason why I'm an alcoholic. You know, I'm just. I just like alcohol and it works, works uh, it, it works in a way that it doesn't work on other people. Um, we, you know, as it talks about in the doctor's opinion is, it, you know, it affects us in a different way. We're a special class of people, you know, and that's just science, um, you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot, lot more science behind it. Um, and, you know, um, some of the, I, 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 I just want to say, it's just like, you know, take, take, take a moment, or not a moment, I'm sorry. Take take the time just to get your begin get your, your your like your your body a little bit straight. Give the you know, they talk about absolute abstinence is the only way, right? But you abstinence means you know, just stop drinking, just give it a chance and 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 work the program you know, and you don't have to like, you know, it's not like a commitment for life. You know, it's an exploration. That's what I tell my, my son, who's kind of like dabbling around, you know, and thinking about it and thinking whether he's an addict or alcoholic. And it's just exploration. Just give it a chance. You know, you can't, you can't, no one's going to like fucking capture you and, 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 you know, put you in a room, you know, with, with blaring, you know, whatever, you know. ACDC or whatever and, and, and Metallica would be mine uh, and and you know try to try to like brainwash you into this it's not there's no one's gonna come and capture you and like you know force it down your throat you know um, and there's all kinds of excuses not to not to do this that I have every one of them you know um, and I it, could like it talk about all the different ways that we tried to stop I I, I had all these different ways of not going to pro not not doing the program you know so when i went my first meeting um you know i was uh i had been arrested i'd been in, gotten in uh, in jail for possession of a you know, of cocaine and um you know i had a lot of other things that that continued to happen and and the, the jail was kind of like that 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 was my that was kind of like the top the beginning it wasn't the bottom it was the beginning and then it was went downward from there um and all kinds of stuff like you know running people over in the sidewalk, you know, drunk driving, um, getting away with that somehow, probably because I was driving while white. white. Um, anyway, and and also uh, you know just all kinds of crazy shit, and it's all all self manufactured and self centered, self will run riot. So anyway, um, you know, I I uh, I, I would find and, if, and once I once I decide about about twenty. Six or 27 after I had really caused some wreckage, I decided, you know, enough people were saying you need to freaking sober up or, you know, we're going to cut you off, we're going to kick you out, we're going to, you know, send you away uh again um and i had been saved in every which way and they finally had reached their patience and i'm pretty smart about that we we're pretty perceptive people at, as as alcoholics and i'm getting close to you know but uh, to to what i'm doing now but um you know I, I i got i got in the program and i got a couple years you know and that turned into you know Four or five years of, of sort of white knuckling. never I went to prog- I went to meetings because I wanted to make friends or I wanted to hang out you know um, I was not working the steps and and you know that just led led me straight not straight back but after about five or ten years you know and then i like I'd get on pain pills because I'd have an a- a- athletic injury and then I'd start to think well a drink would be a good idea I never drank you know but finally ultimately I did drink. And I was, I, I was got to that point of like that alcoholic kind of drinking, like drinking every day, the shakes, you know, um, just absolute utter despair. And so finally, what I would say is that I was by some stroke of luck, you know, I think it was a pandemic. I just knew I couldn't hide, hide, cheat, steal, liar anymore anymore because I was going to be in lockdown, you know, and I was not slick enough. And uh, you know, my wife and kids were like, "Yeah, you're not." They tell me after, afterwards. They told me that, "Yeah, we we knew you were drinking all the time." You know, even though you said you weren't, we knew you were. So anyway, I, I just des- desperation. I come back in the rooms, and now when I look back on it, after working with my sponsor and doing a fourth step and a fifth step, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Um, you know, I wanted to drink all the time, and that was my excuse. I, w- I just didn't. I didn't want to do the program because I still wanted to drink. You know, and that's okay. There's lots of people like that and that's okay. You know, it's just like, are you going to catch yourself or are you going to get caught soon enough that you don't end up in a grave in jail or whatever? You know, how much wreckage are you willing to to, to put up with, you know, to drink? And I just kind of, lo- I reached the end of my rope and thank God for this program because you know, it really set me straight in terms of, and I'll tell you this, the final thing I've got a couple minutes left, you know, it, it, it says in the, in the doctor's opinion, we have, and there's a lot of like these little little clues in the book that tell you how the program works. You know, one is like it's you're you're, you're here to build your spiritual life. You know, that's what this book is about. It says, and and get a closer contact with higher power, but and the and the, the 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 solution is spiritual, right? But you can't get the spiritual solution until you straighten out your your body and stop drinking, right? So, but it says we have found we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men, alcoholics, than the altruistic m- movement now growing up about them. And I was like, wait, that, so there's nothing more that works better? A doctor this is Doctor Silkworth saying nothing works better than this? It's an altruistic movement. I'm like, I, and I just picked up on this idea and I sort of already understand this. Altruism is, you know, putting yourself. I mean, putting others before yourself, being not less self-centered, helping others. And that's why, I, I, for me, that's why I'm here, right? I'm not always, I'm very self-centered. I'm still self-centered. Like some day, some weeks I go by and I am completely selfish. The only thing I do that's not selfish is work with a sponsee. You know, I have three or four sponsees and, you know, and i kicking and screaming. I get dragged kicking and screaming. To, to do this sometimes. It's like, oh, God, I, have to, oh, I don't want to talk to him right now. But I do it, because I know that's what's going to keep me sober. And that's what it says in the book, you know? Practical experiences showed us that nothing so much as immu- ensures immunity from the next drink as extens- uh, intensive work with another alcoholic. The beginning of into action. I mean, sorry, working with others, that chapter. That, you know, there's these place- places in the book, it tells you, here it is, here's the secret, and it's basically... You know, selflessness, unself, you know, self, unself centered, getting relieved of the bondage of self, one. And you have to work to do that. And you have to, you can't do it alone. And you, you can't do it yourself. And you have to, you have to ask God for help or higher power, whatever you call it, you know? So I've got all kinds of other things to say, but that's sort of how, how I am with it, right? In a nutshell, is that this is an altruistic movement. We come to meetings, I believe we come to meetings to help other people. Not to socialize, but socializing is fun and it, it goes along with it. But if we don't serve our primary purpose, then we don't really have meeting. I mean, the, the reason for a meeting, I'll find any those excuses. Oh, I don't like him. I don't want to go there because that guy sucks or that, you know, he said this. And like, all that shit's got to go away because I have to keep my focus on the primary purpose. Now that gives it, you know, and I'll just wrap up with this. Like I said, relapse is part of my story. It's part of a lot of people's story, um, you know. To st- I feel like now to stay stopped. This is the key. This is the key. You know, it's doing all the steps, and especially twelve. You know, carrying the message, trying to help others whenever I can, and uh, you know, it takes me out of myself. And um, you know, like I've become a, kind of a you know a new person. I'm not. I don't know, but anyway, that's it for me. I've gone over, and thank you very much.
1: I'm Emily. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I should preface this by saying I'm nervous as I always am when I speak in front of people, even virtual people. Um, and I've never done a 45 minute share. So I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I've only done 30 minute ones. So we will see, um, or 40 minutes, I guess. Don't worry. I won't talk till nine. Uh, yeah, I remember when I was new and I came to this meeting in person and I thought I will never go to that. I will never speak at that meeting. It's so intimidating. It's massive and they record you, and they put it on the internet, uh, and here I am, but it's not as big anymore, so it's less daunting. Uh, okay, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, um, also, this is my rabbit, and he's just gonna hop around and don't mind him. Uh, so I grew up in a slightly different than, like, the average family, uh, and none of this, like, childhood stuff is what makes me an alcoholic, I don't think. I think it's just, like, circumstance that played into like the reasons that I latched onto to feel really different or apart from like my fellows or peers or whatever. Um, And some of it's entertaining. So I just share it. Uh, But I think that I genetically have alcoholism and have always been somewhat predisposed to addictive tendencies. Uh, But I was born into a family that was not like a lot of the other like kids families it was very modern family uh, like unmarried parents that weren't together anymore my sister had a different mom and the same dad and they were never married and my dad was married to my stepmom and they didn't have any kids and my mom got remarried to my stepdad and he had two kids from his previous marriage and it was just very like different than all the kids at private school in San Francisco where i grew up um and uh, like to the point I mean, everyone had like mom, dad, and one sibling or whatever. Right. And, um, I remember in like kindergarten, everyone asking me, how did you get here? Your parents have to be married for the stork to show up. And I taught everyone in kindergarten that that's not true. And there's a reason for that. And nobody wanted to let their kids come and play at my house because I taught them all about inappropriate things at the age of five. Uh, so I felt like different, I think from the very beginning, I felt very like, Oh, I don't fit in with these people. Um, my mom sent me to all these like wealthy, private, all girls schools in San Francisco. And I was like the financial aid kid who, you know, couldn't afford like cute clothes for free dress days that everyone else was like doing this weird fashion competition in like second grade. Uh, and so I felt really different. I definitely didn't feel like a part of the crowd, uh, I hear that a lot in AA shares, which is why I think I kind of focus on it. Cause I think I felt very different, like long before alcohol entered the picture. Um, my dad had all these crazy cars. He always picked me up in one. We called the dog car. It was like bright green and literally had dogs painted on it and acrylic paint. And another one was like a VW bus. And it had this horn that went, ooga and he honked it every time he picked me up and he picked me up right in front of school with like all these other kids in their black fancy sedans or whatever. Uh, and insisted on building character or something. Uh, now I think it's hilarious, but back then I felt very isolated and alone. Uh, and, but I like, I don't know, I got fine through school. I went off to high school, uh, I still had some of that different feeling, but I was like making friends and doing okay. And then I uh, had kind of like reacted to my childhood stuff with my parents by being like very perfect um, and trying to like never skip school, never mess up in school, get perfect grades, whatever the like typical people pleasing child of dysfunctional parents who just like, I didn't want any of the fighting to be about me. Right. I just wanted to like, if I do everything right, everyone will be nice and happy. Um, and tell everyone what they want to hear. So I started getting these really debilitating migraines in high school, and I started having to miss school because I had to go to, like, doctor's appointments and get spinal taps and do all sorts of stuff. Um, And that made me feel, like, even more apart from instead of a part of. um, And I also had this, like, debilitating pain all of a sudden that was pretty overwhelming. Um, And I spent, like, a year or two in and out of doctor's appointments just, like, trying to figure out what was going on. And eventually they got frustrated and like nothing was working. And so they just said here, take, you know, two Vicodin a day and like, here's some liquid Percocet and some this and some that just in case you have a really bad day. And like, we're just going to chuck the whole pharmacy of narcotics at you 14 year old child. Um, so I started doing that. I felt great. Uh, <laughs> I was like very neurotic about it. I was like, I have to take them exactly as prescribed. Like, I think I, somewhere in here knew that like I never touched cigarettes because I knew that I would never be able to put them down I had like some cognitive thing in there and I think I knew with the meds like if I take more than I'm supposed to I will just go buy some heroin like I'll just figure out something else when I run out early or something so I was like very neurotic about just like taking them as prescribed Uh, and I felt pretty happy honestly like I think it worked for a while (laughs) like I was you know, treating this like hole in me with painkillers and going to school and like didn't really think too much about my feelings and was able to like numb out to some extent. Um but obviously like you your body gets used to that kind of stuff. And then I was on the East Coast. I went to college, I graduated, I went off to grad school and I decided like I'm gonna be out here for a really long time. I need to get a new neurologist and like figured this stuff out on the East coast. Um, so I got a new neurologist and they said, this is not how we treat migraines now. Like we don't just give you a ton of painkillers and pretend that like, you're just, treat-. we try to treat like more of the root cause and that stuff. Right. So I didn't really think about it. I thought, Oh, fine. Like that's not a big deal. But like the second it was like a biochemical response, like the second that I started to taper off of the painkillers, I just like instinctively started drinking alcohol in their place. Like I just like without even really realizing it was what was happening. I was like walking to the neighborhood liquor store and buying like those giant Magna bottles of wine and thought I was just like relaxing while studying for chemistry. Um, and I was in my first year of grad school for geology at this point, And I made some very bad decisions, uh, <laughs> like very quickly. My decision making went out the window. Um, I was like overloaded on classes. I decided like, I just won't study for that one. It'll be fine. I'll study for all the other ones. It'll be totally fine it was not fine. I failed my chem final. Cause I just didn't study for it and got a C in that class and got kicked out of grad school. Cause you can't get, you know, below B's and certain programs. Um, and it was like super traumatic. It like really messed with my head because, and that sounds kind of like an overstatement, but I was so like, my identity was that I was like a student and I like kicked butt at school and I, you know, whatever, that was my like way of showing up for my parents and like, some childhood thing. Um, so it like really rocked my world, I think. And I, um, I very much outsourced all of the, like, I, it was definitely my fault. Right. But like I, there were other things going on. My advisor was insane and ended up getting arrested and fired like the year after I left. But, um, but I couldn't like even see that I had a part in that, right. Like I could have gone to other professors. I could have been more communicative. I was very like, I'm just going to go home and drink at it and not study for him, which is not, you know, responsible. Um, and so I ended up, I got kicked out of school. I got kicked out of my apartment because I couldn't pay rent anymore because I was getting paid to be a teaching assistant in grad school. Um, and I had to move in with my very dysfunctional aunt. And, and, uh, and I ended up living there for like nine months, I think. And my drinking got really bad. Like it just escalated there. That's like where it really took off. I didn't have like anything going on in my life outside of my like long distance relationship and living with this family member who I didn't get along with amazingly at the time. And I just like went between her house and the liquor store and didn't really leave. That's like all I did. Um, and it got bad enough. She didn't know how to handle me. She called my mom. My mom like canceled the trip and flew out there and like helped me move home. Uh, and then I just drank alone in my childhood bedroom for five or six years. Uh, it was not like very funny or glamorous or like wild. I drank a lot of two buck Chuck and ate a lot of cheese and thought that made me not an alcoholic because I was like pairing cheese with $2 wine, um, And it was just like out of control. There were bottles everywhere. I remember like piles of bottles under my bed, in the back of my car, like everywhere I could hide things, there was alcohol. I remember my cousin coming over to my aunt's house when I still lived there and like pulling a wine bottle out of my hamper and saying, what is this doing in your hamper? Um, Anyway, I just did dumb things. So I drank alone. I lost all my friends. I had one like neighborhood friend at this time who was in her sixties. I was in my twenties. Um, the only thing that like now looking back that we really have in common is that she had been in AA and she'd been sober for like a decade and I had a drinking problem. Um, I didn't really know that when we met, we just like connected and I had lost all my like people in my community, my age by being very flaky and not communicative. And, she would just like, let me come sit on her couch and never said anything about how much I smelled like alcohol or how puffy I was or how much weight I was gaining or like whatever. Right. Uh, I felt very like safe there. So I spent all my time with her and at home and she like slowly started to kind of drop some AA stuff. Um, at the time I felt very like, I don't want what you have. She wasn't sober. I didn't know that that was a thing about like wanting what somebody has, but I felt it. Um, and she was like ordering drugs illegally on the internet, and like doing weird things that I was like, I don't need a program to help me there. Um, but I'm like incredibly grateful for this woman. Cause if I hadn't known her, if I hadn't talked to her, I would have had nowhere to go when I like the day that I realized there was something going on that I needed to fix, um, or address, I should say. Um, so I like, There were a lot of things that should have made me stop drinking. I had liver issues, like fatty liver stuff starting. And I was seeing like a, whatever they're called, liver doctor. Uh, And I had like come up with the idea that I could just keep drinking if I lost all the weight that I had gained. And they said that wasn't the best idea, but that's what I went with. Um, and like, I just made a lot of bad decisions, right. There were a lot of things that should have told me like, this isn't healthy. People who drink normally don't have doctors, look them sideways and tell them their ideas are crazy. Um, and that <laughs> they need to stop drinking alcohol. Uh, but like none of that made me realize anything, right. The day that I like had a moment of grace or whatever, I, it was just like, I caught myself. Like I, I had like a moment where I could see that I was doing things that I would never do sober or as like my younger self before I started making really bad decisions. Uh, like I, my uncle got killed by a drunk driver when I like the year before I was born. It's a really big deal in my family. It's like the constant refrain in my family. Everyone's kid is named after him. Um, and I was like, I will never drive drunk. That is a big thing for me. I will never do that. And I caught myself driving drunk, right. Which I probably did like every day when I drove to the liquor store. Um, and I was at this liquor store, this guy stopped me. I was coming out with a bunch of wine at like seven thirty in the morning, right after they opened. Um, and he stopped me and he said like, ma'am, you can't get back in your car you're wasted. If you get back in your car, like I'm calling the cops. Uh, I don't care how close you live. Like I'm not letting you drive. Uh, I'm happy to give you a ride or you can just park here and walk. If you live as close as you say, this was like a random 40 year old man who I'd never met in my life. Right. And I said, sure, you can drive me home. Cause I just like, didn't want to get yelled at for being drunk. And I wanted to not walk home. Uh, and so I got in this stranger's car and let him drive me home, gave him my mom's address. And then he asked me on the way home why I drank like I did and why I was drunk at like eight in the morning. And I gave this whole sob story about my migraines and how much pain I was in all the time. And he like offered to give me a head massage and I let him come in my house. And then he proceeded to like, show me pictures of his kids and talk about how his wife wouldn't put out. And then tried to kiss me and I kicked him out of my house very aggressively and like, thank God he left. But it was a huge wake up moment for me of like, you just put yourself in a really stupid situation um, in like your mother's house that you grew up in. And I kind of like snapped out of it or like woke up for a second and realized that I needed to take some action or do something. Um, and so I walked to my neighbor's house who lived like a block and a half away and said, you know, I have a problem. I need to stop drinking. Like, I don't know how help. Um, and that was like it for me. That was like a huge moment of grace and willingness. And I'm like very deeply grateful for it. Uh, she let me detox on her couch. I like stayed at her house for a week. Um, and then she took me to drunks R us over in Berkeley And I started going to meetings like every day. Um, and I've been here ever since. And I'm really grateful for that. That was October, um, 28th of 2016. So I just celebrated five years like this past October, um, which is amazing. I thought a year seemed impossible in my first like 90 days. It seemed insane. The first 90 were definitely the roughest for me. Like the, um, the, like, pause detox stuff where you like get kind of wiggy every like 30 days for the first 90 days. I did not, that was not fun for me. Uh, um, but it's been a really beautiful experience. It's definitely been challenging, but it's been also like profoundly easy in some ways. And like, everything has just worked out the way it feels like it's supposed to. Um, I came in, I went to those first meetings at. Drunks are Us, I, like, heard the book, I heard people share, I got, like, a taste of AA and realized that this could really help people, but I also had, like, a massive issue with the gendered language in the book and the God stuff and, like, God being capitalized, and it felt very, like, theological to me, like, I went to Catholic school my whole life, um, and it felt very much like being forced to go to mass or something, like, it felt, it triggered something in me, right? Uh and I started like raging about those things like any newcomer would, right? In the meetings, like, I like this place, but you gotta all stop saying he and whatever. Um, not the most respectful thing in this meeting. And some people, you know, clapped back at me and were like, shut up. And this one guy pulled me aside after the meeting, and I'm very grateful for him. I don't even know what his name was, but he pulled me aside and he handed me a meeting guide and he had circled godless heathens over in el cerrito and he had circled wild bunch and said go to these two meetings like you'll find a home somewhere um and i started going to godless heathens every sunday and like kind of treated it like church ironically um, and i started going to wild bunch every wednesday i found a sponsor at wild bunch and like i don't know exactly how i identify like i'm definitely spiritual i don't believe in a theistic god but i pray and i meditate every day right so like I have a higher power. I work a spiritual program, but like, I still somewhat call myself an atheist because my God is not like a bearded theistic, you know, Christian God or whatever. Um, but I, at the beginning, like I didn't connect with that spiritual stuff. I didn't want to pray. Like I didn't, I had a very hard time with that. And really what I needed was to hear a bunch of like older people scream about how much they hated God in these meetings to like realize that I like wanted to, find something that I could like brown myself in, but that it might not be what everyone else found And to like get to that point of acceptance. I had to hear that, like, there were people that were 30, 50, however many years sober that had never like treated it as a super religious program that had been spiritual, but not been super religious about it. So it was like very helpful for me um, to get to where I'm at, to like be able to have that space and have it be safe. Uh, And then wild bunch was like, screaming, rowdy young people that I, you know, never thought I would be friends with. And I ended up meeting my now almost husband at that meeting and like a lot of my best friends. Uh, (laughs) I got a sponsor there. They connected me to the book. We worked up to step four. I hit like a block where I didn't feel like I could really trust them and I didn't want to read my fist up to them. Um, And I found a new sponsor and somebody that I met at that atheist meeting actually. And I, um, I started working with her like five and a half years ago, four and a half years ago, <laughs> added a year. Uh, and her, her sobriety birthday is actually my belly button birthday, which I still love. It feels very like kismet or something. Um, but I've been working with her for a while. We worked through the steps a couple times. Um, the first time was definitely like the most aha eye opening, right? I um I struggled with 2 and 3. That was with like my first sponsor um and I've worked them again since with this one, but uh it really helped me to talk to other people and like ask their their conception of a higher power and um write about just the things that like make me feel grounded and make me feel connected to like other people um and the universe and whatever my higher power is like science and nature and fractals and geology and nerdy stuff. Um, but like anything works, if it works for you, which is pretty amazing. Um, and then four and five obviously were really helpful. I didn't have like this super, like I can breathe feeling at the end of five. Like a lot of people talk about, which I think is important to share because even if you don't feel that you'll get it like later Uh, Um, I felt like I could sit with myself and I felt somewhat at peace, but I also still felt like there was like a huge weight hanging over my head of all these unsaid things to all these people in my life. Um, and for me, it wasn't really until I worked nine and I was able to like have those conversations that I felt like I could really sit with myself and like, start to build back that, like love for who I am and faith in like me as a person and not feel like such a piece of Crap or whatever Uh, um and I had a hard time with nine like I did not want to make amends to that aunt I lived with at all um but like I worked up to that point right and it's like really important not to do it until you're there because you can really mess it up if you do it too early Um, and I'm very grateful that I did that because I was able to like sit and look her in the eye and apologize for my part and like even though she took it in and then just like gave me back a lot of stuff. And it was like very hard for me to sit there and listen to, I was able to just like sit and listen and like really hear how I hurt her, like in the same way over and over again. And it like annoyed me, but I didn't say that. And I was able to like breathe and be like, I'm really sorry. Like, you're right. All of that happened and all of that was bad. Like none of that was okay. That was all wrong. And like, this is how I plan to make it right. Let me know if there's anything else I can do or, you know, if I left anything out or whatever and being able to do that and then have her come to me the next day and like hug me and cry and be like, I feel so much lighter. And like, we can just like talk again, made me feel like I could sit at like a family gathering and not feel like ick all over my body or whatever. And that really helped. Um, get to a place of feeling that like peace and calm that they talk a lot about that comes with five for a lot of people. Uh, and I mean, five was deeply helpful, like realizing that I am the common thread and that like people pleasing and being overly nice and saying what people want to hear is not always good. It can actually cause a lot of problems in my life uh, and all that stuff. Like it was very revelatory, but I think I didn't really get that like calm until um, I worked through some of my defects and then was able to actually like try to make some stuff right with the people that I cared about. Uh, and then 10, 11 and 12 are like really important still. I mean, they're all really important still, but 10, 11 and 12 are the ones that I do on a daily, hopefully basis. Um, I'm not always the best at written 10 steps, but I try is putting pen to paper is still like the most helpful thing to get whatever is spinning up here to some conclusion or action step and out of my head. Um, And working with sponsees is like far and away my favorite part of this program and the thing that keeps me the most sane and the most sober. I mean, through the last like two or more years, um, like it's, been harder to go to meetings it's been harder to see people in person i take care of immunocompromised kids for work so like i can't go kick it in super crowded places and then go hug my little like diabetic charges and get them sick um and it's been hard like i the migraine things make zoom hard like it's just i've been struggling and like they are excuses but they also feel very valid so it's been a struggle for me and i think like having one sponsor that comes over every single week and other ones that I talked to on the phone has like very much kept me in the book and kept me wanting to call my sponsor and kept me like remembering what we do here and why we do it. And they're always going through like exactly what I need to hear about. It's something that's pretty comparable to what I'm going through somewhere in my life. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's so much more helpful to me than it is to them. And I'm like deeply grateful for my sponsors. Um, And life is wild today. I mean, it's great. I did not think this would be my life. If you asked me like 20 years ago or you asked me five years ago, like I, life beyond your wildest dreams is like not always what you think it is, but it is wild and amazing. Um, I'm engaged to that awesome guy in the other corner. Uh, We have like 50 reptiles and I have this rabbit and we are getting married and talking about, human children and all sorts of things and like it's just a it's an exciting crazy time to be sober and I don't know I love my life it's um I did not think that I would be one of those people that said I was grateful to be an alcoholic or grateful to be sober or that I loved my life because I think all those things are very cheesy to say out loud um but they're very true and I Like, when I got sober, I thought, like, maybe I'll, like, reconnect with some of my old friendships and be able to make some of that right and, like, go back to drinking in a few years and, like, it'll be fine and I'll have more tools to manage it, right? And, like, I have no desire to, like, occasionally I'll be walking down the street and I'll see people, like, drinking rosé on a hot summer day and I'll be like, that looks nice. And I'm, like, very quickly and easily able to snap myself out of that and remember that, like, even if sometimes those question marks pop into my head, I'm like way happier to be figuring out like my stuff here sober than like drunk at a bar with a stranger and like none of the people that I really connect with and love in my life. And I think that, um, that's like really the bottom line for me is that like stuff gets hard challenges still happen, but like, I, I, I'm so much more comfortable in my skin and like who I am and the life that I live now than I was five, 10, however many years ago, but like right before I got sober for sure. Uh, And yeah, I'm just very grateful to be here. And thank you, Laura, again, for asking me to share. And I hope someone heard something they relate to, but if you didn't, please go to another meeting because there are lots on zoom and in the Bay area. Um, Yeah, thank you.